Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And that is exactly what today's guest has done. So today is a conversation with Jill Deering. So Jill is the co-founder of uh, the apparel brand Rabbit. She started that brand with her uh, her pal Monica about three years ago, three and a half years ago, in a very short amount of time, this brand has just taken off. If you're listening to this podcast, you have certainly heard of it. You've probably purchased some of their apparel as well. Um, it's, a, it's a trusted brand in the running community. And not only has she done that in the last three, three and a half years, she's also um, been an attorney at a couple of different places. She has won two different marathons in 2017 and given birth to her son, Jet. Quite a lot to smash into a very short amount of time. And we cover all of that in today's episode. So Jill is somebody who is, as she puts it, an overachiever in a lot of ways. And as somebody who isn't necessarily that, I was eager to hear how she does it all. So I think you'll love this conversation with Jill, and I would check her out. She's Jill Marie Deering on Instagram. You also can check out Rabbit online. Just Google Rabbit Apparel, and you'll find all of their stuff. It's a, it really is a wonderful brand, and um, not only do they have great gear, but they work with a lot of runners. So they have the Rad Rabbit uh, Ambassadors. They have the Rabbit Elite Runners as well, and Jill is a, a borderline elite runner, Um and she's trying to get back there now that she has given birth to to uh, to young Jet uh, about four months ago. So she's uh, she's winding her way um, back into training, and she is doing a wonderful job of it. And she has big goals, both short term and the long term. So I hope you like this episode. If you do, please share it with people that you know, uh, other runners, other dedicated amateur runners. And if you do post it online. Feel free to tag me. I really appreciate seeing it. I love seeing it, and it, uh, it really does warm my heart when I see um, people enjoying the episode. So, with all that being said, here's my conversation with Jill Deering. Hello, Jill, and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I felt like I've been saying that a lot in the last five minutes. We finally got this <laughs> connected. I really appreciate it. Um, it's funny. It's like I normally I'm very calm as I enter the show, but like you and I are both working through nap times with our little <laughs> ones. So I feel like time is of the essence. So thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thanks for the patience. I'm glad we were able to figure it out. Absolutely. So how's uh, how's Jet doing? Oh, he's so good. He's just he's a he's a really good, happy, healthy baby, and I I don't think it's possible to be happier. <laughs> Well, the pictures you take of him are a very, a very happy kid. Is like he's very <laughs> uh, telegenic or you know, photogenic or whatever because he's yeah. always like kind of like slightly looking off in the distance, <laughs> like super happy, bubbly, and I can just picture you smiling as you take the picture. Oh, I just it's hysterical because he he actually doesn't like as shocking as it sounds because I take a lot of photos. He doesn't like the camera that much. Um, so I have to like play tricks to take good photos of him. I have to like tickle him 
and then like bring the phone up really quick and snap a photo um because then he just looks at it, he's kind of mesmerized um i think because it has a contrasting color on my phone which of course um he finds very interesting so um i'm i have all these sneaky ways that i get him to to crack up so i can get a cute photo Oh, that's great. That's a good idea. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've done like the trick move, but usually like my daughter refuses to look at at the lens of a camera. You almost need yeah. like a dummy camera. Totally. So she's like looking at the wrong one and you just snap to the other one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got to ask you about the name. Is this yeah. is, is Jet? Is this coming from just, hey, you know, you you and your and your husband are just two active people and you named your kids yet? Or how does it work out? <laughs> um, there isn't actually like a huge story behind it. Um, we we wanted something that was short and um, unique, but not so strange that maybe people would have trouble remembering it. Um, and we had a list of thing of names and um, we actually, before we found out the gender and just whenever we spoke about the baby when I was pregnant, we called the baby Bo. <laughs> and so for the longest time, we just went with Bo. And then even when the day that he was born, um, we didn't decide until the following day. And so it, it wasn't like, it, you know, it, there's not a huge story other than we just, we liked the name. And then once we finally met him, um, it just seemed fitting. He did arrive kind of quickly. So there's that little aspect of it um but we just really liked it and um yeah (laughs) i like it too in fact it's almost as if like you your family and like the goucher family like named your kids (laughs) perfectly right so they they have colt right Right. and goucher and you got jet i love it um you know maybe my son's name should be like slow poke or something i don't know but no i'm just kidding he tries hard he tries to run oh He's still learning. <laughs> no, he's getting it. He's getting it. He's like the classic like overstrider. He's like running like one mile an hour, but like he's like butt kicking. It's like the funniest thing. It's like I think that's every little kid too. They oh, take yeah. the biggest steps and you're like, huh, I don't know about that. Oh, I know. I swear to God, like he he's like gonna hit his shoulders at one point. He's like back he's like backstriding <laughs> so high. It's hysterical. He's really flexible, so that's helpful. Yeah, right? I mean, every kid is, right? It's like all of a sudden, like, their feet are in their mouth, and you're like, yeah, that's not going to last. Oh, my goodness. When he was born, and my husband made the comment, he was like, wow, look, his feet can touch his shins. (laughs) And I was like, well, that is true and really quite shocking. (laughs) Wait, his feet can touch his shins? (laughs) Yeah, like his, like, Achilles was so flexible that his foot could, like, bend all the way backwards. It's like, wow. Oh, my God. These kids, yeah, the things that that you can do when you're newborn, huh? Are you a Harry Potter fan? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know it very well. <laughs> okay, I was saying, like, in the second movie, he like he breaks his arm, and then one of the one of the, like the the professors at Hogwarts like tries to heal him, but like it actually takes all the bones out of his arm, and they bend it all the way back, so his tippy, <laughs> so his tippy, like his like the tips of his fingers touch his elbow, and that's like what uh-huh. I'm picturing right now. <laughs> oh right, jet, totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, they are amazing. Well, this is great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I yeah. did the intro before we uh, before we got on, um, and I'll say there's a lot to talk about because not <laughs> only are you you know a very strong runner who's been a strong runner for a long time, but you're the co-founder of a running brand that is synonymous with dedicated amateur runners. Uh, obviously, you have just a cadre of of ambassadors and also yeah. uh, high level runners that, yeah. you, that you both sponsor and you know, other people that you have some sort of relationship with. So I guess, first of all, 
Uh, we'll just start with Run and Rabbit, uh, yep. and then we'll kind of dive in from there. I love that just how you guys started the company, you and Monica. So it was a Kickstarter campaign to start it. So how, what was the genesis of this, uh, this idea for you? Yeah, um, it was kind of a simple, it, it, it was born from a simple uh, dream, really. And it was just that we both Monica and I were kind of fed up with wearing bad running clothes. And uh, it, it's like kind of as simple as that. And that's the key is that we really wanted to make better running clothes. Um, so like you said, I've been a runner for my whole life. And so has Monica. And, um, I had the time I was working for a law firm here in Santa Barbara and I didn't actually know Monica that well, which is really quite um, just comical looking back on it. Um, but we had been connected because her and her husband owned the local running store in town. Um, and she had put together a team of women that was, like kind of semi-sponsored by the by the store um and it was like a competitive women's running team of all different ages and levels and that's how I met Monica because I was newer to town and um met her and loved what she was doing and um so I was working as an attorney and kind of wanted like a creative outlet and I started like sketching and dreaming this and I told my husband and I was like, you know, what if I, <laughs> what if I, you know, started a running clothes company? And he kind of was like, sure, you know, <laughs> supportive, but, but like, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> All right. Let me, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. Okay. Yeah. So you're an attorney, which uh-huh. is not exactly a nine to five. Role, right. Right. Yeah. All right. You're, you're running a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You're a very active runner. Um, we'll talk about 2017 in a mm-hmm. little bit where you, where you put on this is an unbelievable year. So oh, you, you. Anyone, anyone who's been running at the level you've been running at, it's almost like a full-time job in right. and of itself. So what made you go from, all right, these clothes are not optimal to, to sketching them to then deciding <laughs> that you should create them as opposed to just like, you know, having someone else do it. Right. Um, Well, part of it was a little bit that, you know, I was just kind of at this time, I had been, you know, I ran in in college and I and I would win some local races, but I kind of started like to get a little bit better to the point where, you know, I was I could was doing pretty well in some some bigger races. And I would I, I was really into Lululemon, as a lot of runners are is comfortable. And but I kind of felt like when I would show up to a start line in Lululemon that maybe it wasn't like runner enough. Was it too yoga? Would people not take me seriously? And, you know, I was dreaming of wanting to, to do all these things and have these huge goals. And I felt like, you know, I want to be taken seriously, but, but sometimes when I wear some of the, the bigger brands clothing, it just doesn't fit well and it doesn't look good. So I end up wearing Lululemon, which is beautiful stuff, um, but it doesn't feel like this is really for runners. And so I kind of was like, Oh, what do I wear if I want to be this elite runner and I, and I want to win these big races and I want to be taken seriously. Um, and so it was kind of that feeling of like, there's just really nothing that's made for me. That's made for a runner that that's really functional. Um, and isn't just, you know, kind of some big brand idea. And, and I've never been a, a big brand f- fan. I'm not against it. I, you know, to each their own. I just, haven't been one that that's what I've been, um, you know, what, what, what really appeals to me. So I kind of was looking for something else. Now, have you always been that kind of like scratch your own itch 
type mentality to like basically as like a problem solving mechanism or was this this venture something that was um abnormal for you um well i've <laughs> i've kind of always been a little bit of an overachiever i guess um i just i really i really like to do things i like to do things myself i i like i like to um you know start and create and and be the best that i can be and um i mean it stems back i i hate saying you know i hate talking about myself this way but i was valedictorian in high school and i was able to get myself a full ride to college based on my grades and um, it was just, I was of... going to bring it up if you did, <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm so very proud of it, but, um, but again, it, sometimes it feels odd to talk about yourself that way, but, um, I'm, I'm extremely proud of the things that I was kind of able to accomplish, but I just kind of always had a, I wanted to do things my own way mentality. Um, I picked a school for undergrad that was different than all my friends were going to, um, because I wanted to do something different. I wanted to have my own experience and I just kind of always been that way. Um, not like a rebellion thing or a anti-establishment or anything like that. Just kind of like, I want to create my own path and, and I have fun doing it. And I have kind of always been an independent thinker and independent worker. So um, it was a little bit of that of like, Hey, why, why can't I do this? If I find the right partner in the right Avenue, like why not me? You know, what's to stop me. Right. And that kind of brings up another kind of like the next step, in the chain of event ends up becoming a tough one for someone who has that mindset, right? Because all of a sudden right. you're like, all right, this is how I want to do things. I can just kind of, as you just mentioned, you kind of like will things into existence through yeah. hard work. Exactly. However, that isn't necessarily conducive to both a having a co-founder and a partner <laughs> and having a Kickstarter campaign where you're literally relying on other people. I totally agree. hundred percent. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of really the beauty of why it, why it's worked. Because if I, if I just said, Hey, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to maybe be a little stubborn and independent and figure it out by my own. Uh, there's, there's just 0% chance it would have been successful. Zero, zero, zero percent. Um, I didn't realize how incredibly lucky I was to have found Monica. I mean, it's so lucky it's ridiculous she's so amazing and has everything that I'm bad at she's good at and we're the perfect yin and yang and the funny thing is is that so I I reached out to her with this it was crazy and I didn't know her that well sent her an email said hey Monica I have this crazy idea what if you and I collaborated and started our own running apparel company and she emailed back, yes, I would love to do this. I'm so excited. Thank you. I've been looking for a creative outlet. Let's do it, which flabbergasted me that she was so excited about it. But then only then, as I started working with her, did I find out that she has this incredible background and experience in the industry. And like, but for all of these things, there's no way I would have been successful on my own, which is why it's so crazy. So she worked for adidas for years um she started as a rep then she moved up and she was in shoes primarily but she has all this incredible knowledge and experience that i mean it just i, I had no idea what i was doing when i emailed her and i was just the luckiest person to have reached out to her because she is amazing <laughs> yeah i can imagine and in, in, in your video kind of like the origin story video that you guys mm -hmm. have on your website. Um, 
you talk about how was it 16 or 18 months you guys were basically going through concepts to try to figure yeah. out what you're going to what you what you would produce so what was that what was that time period of like i guess first of all set the stage of like when exactly that was and when did you take things from concept to kind of like a, a rough draft of it i mean in the physical form a rough draft of it and then decide okay now we can kind of set up the kickstarter and make this for real yeah it it, it was interesting because it all kind of moved so quickly. You know, we started with like, okay, well, if, if we're going to do this, like what's, what's the, what are we trying, what problem are we trying to solve? So why do we want to create clothes? How are they going to be different and how are we going to be successful? And so at the beginning, a lot of it was researching other brands, what they were doing, what seemed to be working, what seemed to not be working, um, concepts and imagery and colors and just, you know, we had this, this idea that didn't, didn't stem from, Hey, I'm a seamstress and I've been making clothes. And what if I went to running clothes or, Hey, I love this palette and how can I transfer that? It was just, it was just an idea and it didn't have a lot of anything behind it. So it was basically like, okay, what are we making here? And, and what do we want to stand behind? And, where do we want to make it and what are our principles? And so it wasn't like we jumped in right away to, you know, making samples and creating our, our first tank top. It was really like, okay, what are the fundamentals that we want to build upon? And I think that's why, um, you know, we have been able to continue through a few seasons because um, I think, I think one of our greatest assets is, is that we are, you know, we kind of, we do have a good story and not that I don't use the word story as in it's like a fairy tale, but it's just, Hey, we are runners and we wanted to solve a problem that we thought existed. Um, and we wanted to do it in a way that we feel really proud of. And so those, that concept didn't, you know, didn't happen overnight. So kind of that, that initial year and a half was building these concepts and, and figuring out, trying to put some semblance of, of systems in place and ideas in place um, and then figuring out all the practical things, which, which those were the things that I really, really had no idea about. And Monica, Monica knew, okay, we need to, you know, find our, our fabric uh, person and we need to find our zipper guy. We need, you know, all these things that are like, Oh yeah, you're right. No, we need to find a factory that um, can make what we want to make. We need to find a factory that does knits and does wovens. And we need to find a, a person that works directly with, you know, a factory or a, excuse me, a fabric person who works directly with these factories and what kind of designers do we want to use? Do we want to use designers? And so there's all these like practical questions that she was really good at. And I, and that she, she very much has taught me, you know, I, starting from zero, learning all these things from her. So um, that's kind of like, how it all began. And then we got into the, you know, the nitty gritty of like, okay, now that we have some of this in place, what do we, what do we envision this first um, season looking like? And, and what are the colors and, and what cuts? And that was like, obviously, or not obviously, but for me it was incredibly fun. And that's where it gets really fun. The, the, of all the stuff that we do, I have the most fun working on the actual designs and colors and fits. Cause that's why we got started. So when you were at that point, say a year in, mm -hmm. right? So you've identified all the logistical things that, that Monica was, was helping you with and really taking the lead on. And then you kind of take a little bit more on the style side. 
say you're a year in, right? You're six months from launching. At mm-hmm. that point, what did you view? What did success look like for you, short term and long term, for this venture? Oh, that's that's a really good question. Um, at that point, I think um, success looked like creating a line that we could actually present um, that was comprehensive and that people um, that could actually go in a store or be sold online um, to actually see it come to fruition because, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that and, you know, funding and fabric order and how much to order and all those, you know, there's some of the, of the more administrative kind of things of starting a business that are, that are hard. And so, you know, I didn't think about all those things when I reached out to her about how much money we would need and, you know, how long it would take and, and some of those kinds of things. So at that point, I think success was just, Hey, if we actually do this and we make clothes that people can buy, that is, that is incredibly successful. And at that point in time too, both Monica and I were um, both working full-time jobs completely separate from rabbit. So Monica and her husband owned the local running store, Santa Barbara running company. And I, um, still working full time and I did change jobs, you know, a couple years into rabbit. But at that point I was still working at, um, a law firm, which like you said, is, <laughs> it's not, it's not an easy load. So, um, you know, we were both, it was, it was a side project. It was a lot of nights, a lot of weekends, um, a lot of texts and calls and, and, but we had full-time jobs to do. Monica has, has two young boys. So it was, you know, trying to just see if we could make it all happen um, without any kind of idea of how big it could get or how many stores we could get into or anything like that. It was just like, Hey, can we make this happen? Right. And it's not as if you were drop shipping items, like you were controlling the supply chain right, right. from the start, which obviously, um, provides a lot more of a you know, potential for disaster, I guess, from, yeah. a, from a financial perspective, as opposed to like, hey, I'm creating a rambling runner shirt, but I drop ship it. If no one orders it, I'm out zero dollars. Exactly. Right? Like you are, <laughs> you are not doing that. You are starting it right from the fabric going on up, which begs the question, when did you, how did you start trying to drum up um, support and try to get the... Uh, not, not the name out there because no one knew what it was, but get the story out there and the products out there in a way that was going to help build momentum for you. Like what was the, you know, the first, say like the first year's marketing plan to try to build up support and build momentum for what you guys were doing? Yeah. And that actually is, is why we did the Kickstarter. Um, at that point in time, the Kickstarter was, you know, everyone can, or people use it for different reasons. Some is primarily to raise money. Um, some is to, you know, gain awareness or, or marketing exposure. So the way the industry works is kind of exactly what you said is, you know, you need money up front. I don't know if you read shoe dog, but it's a, it's a similar story. It's a great, great book. Um, it's a similar story. You, you need a lot of cash up front because you have to buy the fabric. You have to pay the factory. You have to pay the mill. And then only after paying all these bills, do you get inventory that you sell. And most people aren't really that excited about buying an outfit six months in advance and having it shipped to them, you know, once it's been made. So it's not like you can pre-sell all of these things. So, um, you know, with all of that investment up front for us, the Kickstarter was a way to, you know, all of that stuff was already in the, when we launched the Kickstarter, all of that inventory was already in the pipeline of being made. So it wasn't that 
we were trying to raise money to fund that inventory, it was really, hey, let's see if this idea is landing. Do people like this? Do they like what we're doing? Are people going to buy it? And so for us, it was, it was, of course, it's nice to raise a little money, but it was getting the story out there and getting the awareness out there and having people feel excited about being the first ones to get something from us. Um, And so that was helpful for us to say, you know, to help spread the word. So that was because we originally weren't going to do a Kickstarter. And then we said, you know what, I think this could be a really fun way to tell our story um, and to get it out there and to get people excited about, you know, being the first ones to have it. So that was um, kind of the first big thing that we did. And, and it did prove to be successful. We got funded, but also it was like, it was really fun for us to do that. And when you're building something like this, Obviously, there's going to be moments in time where you look back and say, hey, this was like a seminal moment or like maybe this, you know, this person liked it or we had this many orders. What was, let's say, the first big moment when you look back and say, all right, this is when I knew or we knew that we were on the right path and that this was going to be sustainable? I think there's been several of those. And then, of course, we have days where I'm like, is this going to work? Are we going to make it? You know, it's just it's a never ending process um, and and things are going incredible. So, uh, you know, those days are fewer and far farther between. But I think I think the Kickstarter was a huge one for us. It got funded and it got funded pretty quickly. And more than that, it was that people really were so excited and really into what we were doing. And. So that like, you know, I forget the exact timing, but we got funded maybe in 10 days or something. And, and it was like, oh, oh, this is really exciting. Oh, people are into this. Wait, that's, that's a lot of money. A lot of people, a lot of people pre-order things that they're not going to get for six months or three months. And, and that's awesome. Um, So that was definitely one of the, the key moments. And then I think the other ones um, have been more subtle and really immensely gratifying like if I just happen to be you know in Austin Texas and somebody comes running down the bike path and they're all in rabbit and I'm like you know that is so awesome I don't know who this person is I don't know anything about their story we don't have a store here and this person knows about us and they're wearing all of our stuff and so there's been several of those like in, in different places or different spots in the airport or in some random city. And that feels really good. Um, there's like little moments where you're like, oh, that's really cool. I don't know. I have any I have no idea. And, and it just feels really nice. And when what uh, when did the Kickstarter end? What was the month? What was the year? Um, let's see. We launched it in December 2015. Um, so or maybe November. And then it's a 30 day um, 30 days. So I want to say it ended the, the very beginning of January. Okay. Which is very interesting to me because, all right, you just mentioned how you and Monica have full-time jobs. She has young boys at the time. You're, you, you, you are not only in a career, but then soon you're going to be bouncing to another job. You have this burgeoning clothing store, you know, virtual clothing store. And, you know, I think you guys also have, uh, you know, Real stores as well, not real stores, but, you know, like the brick and mortar stores. And then you also, this whole time, are kicking butt running because fast forward a year and a half later, 2017, you win the Carlsbad Marathon and the Mountains to Beach Marathon. 
So yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about that because winning marathons is not a training cycle endeavor. Right. That is built right. year after year after year. So now you were a college runner, obviously, mm-hmm. that we mentioned this a couple of times. But what was your training like during this period of ramp up with Rabbit? Oh, man. Oh, I mean, I am a sucker for training for miles, for more miles. Um, if anything, that's one of my, my downfalls and, you know, everyone has strengths and weaknesses and, and mine is sometimes that I, I do too much and don't rest enough and recover. Um, but I just, I just love it. I mean, I really, I really, really love it. Everyone runs for different reasons and, um, there's no right reason. If you're a runner, great. If you run to, to be healthy, great. If you run to, you know, lose weight, great. If you run cause purely you love it, great. I mean, I just, I love that people run. I love that people love to run. Um, and I'm just one of those people who really, truly loves to run. Um, of course, there's there's days. Okay, I mean, of course, there's days that are hard or days that I don't feel good or don't feel fit. Um, but whether I'm a sucker for that endorphin rush or what have you, I just I love the the personal challenge, the independence, the the mental toughness that it requires. And it's something that I, I played three sports in high school. Not that I was great at them, but I just, I didn't ever get the sense of satisfaction that I do from running um, from other sports that I played. And, you know, everyone has, a, has their own love and passion and, and running just really was mine and is mine. Now, were you goal oriented during this time? Like, did you have goals from like a time standpoint or placing in certain races at that during that period of time? Yeah, I, I definitely did. So um, I actually didn't get into marathons until I met my, um, at the time, boyfriend, now my husband, who at that point, I was just doing a lot of 10Ks and half marathons. And um, he said, you know, you love running so much. You you run so much. Why don't you run a marathon? So we trained and ran our first marathon together when we were dating. And it was, you know, an adorably cute story where we ran, ran the marathon together the whole way and crossed the finish line. And he had run several marathons. He's an incredible athlete and was a college soccer player. So that he, he had done this before and he ran with me. And ever since then, I was just hooked. And um, I realized that I, I was actually, you know, I was pretty good at the marathon, especially relative to other distances I had been running. So my first marathon was 315. Um, and that was kind of, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And I ran, I ran with Gene, my husband and, and that was great, but I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is interesting. I think my next marathon was maybe just a few minutes over three. So I would quickly, quickly realized that, Hey, I'm, I'm good at this. And so as I ran a few more over the years and my time kept dropping, I, I really, 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 really wanted to try to run 245 um, in 2017. And that was, that was my goal. And I put it out there. I, you know, I'm, everyone's different, but I sometimes find accountability in, in saying goals, whether it's on social media or to friends. And, and I, I had no problem saying, Hey, this is what I want to get. And, um, you know, if I don't get it, that's okay. But 245 is the, um, it's Olympic trials B qualifying time. So 237 at, at the time, of course, was the A standard and 245 was B. So I really wanted to try to get that that B standard so I could be at the trials in 2020. Um, so I had, um, taken, I think it was maybe 2015. I had a slew of injuries and just kind of couldn't get it right. And 
figured a couple things out for myself. I had like a low ferritin level and kind of some other things that once I got them all in check, the training went really well. And so I did a, like a really, you know, like you said, it's not one cycle that gets you to a marathon well. So it's been, it was years of putting in mileage and time and learning from my, my own mistakes. And, um, and so that was my goal for, for 2017, knowing that my husband and I wanted to try to have kids. And, um, so in my mind, I was like, gosh, that will be perfect. I can run a 245 and then we can have kids. And then maybe I can be in 2020 at the start line. Um, Got so, it all figured out. <laughs> right. Just perfect. Just map it all out. So that was really what I tried. And like you said, I ran several marathons last year, not necessarily the, the, um, the best approach. And I wouldn't recommend that for anyone, but I was really chasing this 245 and just didn't want to give up. <laughs> and I didn't, I did not get it. So, but you well, did but get did, 250. You did get right. 250 at mountains to beach, which right. you, which you won. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's, I mean, that obviously is a huge achievement, right? Yeah. Winning I... a marathon. That's enormous. So you mentioned just a second ago, 2015 was a struggle for you. Yeah. So in 2015, it was a struggle for you. 2016, you're creating a new clothing company. Yep. Did you ever have those moments where you're trying, where, where you have competing priorities? You have your professional priority, you have your side hustle priority, you have your running priority. At, at, were, yeah. these, were these always balanced or did you have trouble kind of managing the priorities? Oh, I think I, think I, I definitely had trouble and probably always will be or always will. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to fit all that in. And, um, you know, I, like so many people out there, love to kind of train like an elite or train like a pro, um, without maybe having some of the resources that are available. So, um, so I think that's, that's a, a, a line of recognition of, Hey, I can't run as many miles as a professional one. And I'm never going to be as good, um, because I have to take care of myself and I have to do my job and I have to sleep and I have to eat and I have to be with my husband and my family. And so, um, you know, I, I am one of those people that I would love to run if my body would let me 20 more miles a week and, and do all these things. But I, you know, it was finding the balance of, and that, that also helped contribute to this year of kind of injury after injury of, Hey, I'm not balancing well and I'm getting burnt out and I'm not doing things right. So, you know, what that magic mileage number is for everyone is very, very different and everyone balances stress differently. So, I, I did make several adjustments because it was kind of too much on my plate. And one of the, one of the things I did is I, I very happily, um, I, I had a great job working at a law firm, but I got this wonderful offer to work in house. Um, and I very, very gladly and happily took it as far a, a, a great friend and mentor here in Santa Barbara, who's an ultra runner himself. And um, he's an entrepreneur and has several different companies. Um, but it was a little bit of a lighter load than working in a law firm. You know, it's more of an eight to five job. Um, so that was really helpful for me, um, and allowed me more time to work on rabbit stuff and to train and to fit in doubles and kind of to do other things. So that was, that was something for me that helped take off some stress on my plate and say, okay, you know, I'm already balancing a lot, but this makes it more manageable. Um, but like I said, there's, there's, you know, as, as so many people do, there's a lot of really early mornings and, you know, doubles after work and, you know, kind of figuring it all out. 
Yeah, figuring it all out is right. And I think one of the things that a lot of people figure out in your circumstances, uh, you and your husband, I should say, is when to start a family. So for you, was that ever a choice to be made or was it simply it it happens when it happens? Um, It was a choice for us. Um, I'm not incredibly young. (laughs) I'm not old, but I'm also not incredibly young. And so we actually, today is our, our three month, uh, or excuse me, three year wedding anniversary. Um, so we've been married three years and my, my, uh, my eighth year was uh, yesterday. So I oh, hear you. We're like, we're like right on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I feel like the, this, these couple of days are, are very common. I was noticing that a lot of people were celebrating their anniversaries cause it's a, it's a nice time of year. Um, uh, yeah. So, so we actually had, had lived together for several years beforehand. Um, so sometimes it feels like we've been married longer than we have in a good way. <laughs> that didn't mean that to sound bad, but it feels like I'm like, I, how did, you know, we've only been married three years. I've, I've known you for so long and my whole life is with you. Um, and so we knew right after we got married that we wanted to do some things. We did some traveling. We went to Europe. We actually last year also got in through a very amazing friend and friend of rabbit who was able to get us into my husband and I into the London marathon, which is incredibly hard to get into. Um, and so we ran the London marathon last year and then went and traveled for two weeks, all these amazing countries. So we had kind of these, a couple things that we wanted to do, um, before we, we had kids knowing that, you know, it's, it's harder to do those things. And so, um, we had a good year of like kind of doing our stuff and, and then saying, okay, now we're, now we would like to expand and, and, um, have kids. There you go. And now you didn't get the 245 goal. Obviously you achieved a bunch of other goals. You ran really well in 2017. <laughs> so is that still a goal hanging out there? Is there, you know, what, what, what are your athletic goals now for the next 18 months or so? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it's absolutely a goal. Um, I've, I've, you know, pregnancy is very challenging and, and it was, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and, uh, labor and delivery were a lot harder than I thought they were going to be. And postpartum running is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. You can hence or sense the trend here. Um, everything has just been so much more challenging than I thought it was going to be, but also so incredibly more gratifying and life-changing and I have a huge smile on my face because I just don't even have words for for all of the amazing ways my life has changed in these last four months um so you know if you were to ask have asked me this question two months ago I might have said 245 sure but that's a pipe dream that's never gonna happen um but the body is amazing and it changes pretty quickly and um, you know, now four months in, I don't think it's impossible. Um, sure. It's going to be challenging. I feel like I have the talent to run 245 or faster. Um, so, you know, it's, it's now more of, can I get my body there after having a baby and can I commit as much time as I used to to training? Not that it, not that it takes a hundred mile weeks, but you know, it takes, takes a lot of work. Um, so it's some of those, pre- and do I want to, you know, do I, is that where my priorities lie? Um, that I want to, I want to keep doing this. And the short answer is yes. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I can, I think I'm capable of it. I want to, and I want to try. 
Um, will I do it? Gosh, who knows? Um, but I, there's no, I, I'm not someone who, who is, yeah, I'm going to, you know, give up running tomorrow if I run a 250 again. No, that's awesome. And it's, it's amazing. And I'm never going to be professional. I'm, I'm never going to go to the Olympics. So why do I do this? Because it's fun, because it's satisfying, because I like challenging myself and all those things are still true. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also a big believer in having a big goal and, and trying for it. And you've done that in a couple different areas. So what are the keys to reaching one's potential in your mind? <sighs> That's really, um, I think it, it's believing in yourself and, you know, there's a lot of sayings and cliches, but, but they're all very much true. If you don't believe in yourself, why is anyone else going to believe in you? And, um, there's a great, there's a great book and it's by Matt Fitzgerald. Um, and now I'm blanking on the name of it. How bad do you want it? Yes, exactly. And it's incredible. And it, I just, everything that he talks about and the stories he tells are so true. And it's, it's really about our ability to do so much more than we think we're capable of. And sure, that's, that's, you know, he's talking about the physical, but it's, it's true about everything. And, um, you know, if you, if you say, Hey, I can't do this, or that's too hard, I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, then you're not very likely to succeed. But if you say, Hey, this is going to be hard, but why can't I do this? Why not me? Why isn't it my turn? Why can't I do this better? Then you're a hundred percent more likely to, to succeed. And we're all capable of so much more than we ever even thought. And so, you know, if we just put our energy towards thinking positively and believing in ourselves, then I think that's kind of the biggest step. Um, I coach a couple athletes, um, Oh, you're, oh, you're a coach too, because you have so much time on your hands. <laughs> exactly. Cause I have so much free time, but I, I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I wish I could spend, I spend already spend too much time doing it, but I, I really just love it. And I love working with my athletes. And that's kind of one of the biggest things that we talk about is just, you know, having the right mindset and the right strength and the right saying, Hey, this is a priority for me. And I know I can do it. And even when my brain wants to, wants to quit or tells me it's too hard. I'm the only one that can convince it otherwise. And if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it for me. Well, that feeds into a question I actually received from one of the listeners. Um, this question is what makes a runner grow to be be- grow to be better. And she actually said, she's asking this because you are a coach and also because <laughs> you've been able to do it as well. And I want to throw, um, you know, and, and to add on to that question to say, how do you identify potential in people? If it's kind of like, if, if so much is possible, you're, you can achieve much more than you think. Obviously, the hard part is to, I guess, on some level, straddle the line between magical thinking and having confidence in something that you actually haven't achieved yet. Right. You, yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, there's a difference between dreaming big and trying to go get that and then totally unrealistic expectations. Um, and like I said, magical thinking. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like, take a really good look in the mirror and be honest with yourself, but also give yourself the benefit of every doubt, um, and appreciate what you see. And I mean that more than obviously the physical of looking at yourself in the mirror, but it's the concept of, 
hey, I'm really capable of doing really good things, but I also have to be realistic. Like, you know, I'm never going to grow to be six foot four. So that's just not going to happen. But I can hold myself up taller and work on my posture and get myself to be as stand as tall as I want to. And that's kind of, you know, the metaphor for kind of believing in yourself and, and making yourself the best runner. There's tangible things, of course, that are huge and very valuable in terms of eating well and sleeping well and hydrating and, and taking care of your body and making sure, you know, things like your iron level, especially for women, there's all these tangible things that are very, very valuable, but a good mindset is in my opinion, you know, better than all of those things. You know, there's, there's every, it's kind of a, it's an interesting concept if you think about it. Running is hard. It's really hard. It's really hard for someone who's running a 14-minute mile, and it's really hard for someone who's running a four-minute mile. It's not any harder for someone who's running a 14-minute mile than it is for someone who's running a four-minute mile. It's all relative. We're each pushing ourselves to a certain degree. The reason that they're running a four-minute mile, some of it is talent, of course, um, and genetics and things that we have no we have no control over, but some of it is that they're just willing to push themselves harder and farther and believe in themselves. And so with, it's like that mindset of, Hey, no, these people who are doing amazing things, sure. They may be more talented than me, but they're also probably a little bit tougher and believe in themselves. And so if I just believed in myself and worked on my, my mental toughness, how good could I be? And I really like playing that game with myself of like, okay, if I ran a marathon and didn't allow myself to mentally give up at all, which is really hard to do in a marathon, you go through your ups and your downs and your bad miles and your good miles. And I just, I was stayed tough as nails the entire time. And I was incredibly ready. I was fit. I'd done all my training. I had a great training cycle. What, what could I be? What could I achieve? What's possible? And I just like playing. And I think it's like a fun game to ask yourself if, if I was the strongest I could possibly be mentally and totally physically prepared, how fast could I run? And if you ask yourself that and say, okay, then, you know, X is possible, then go try to get X, whatever X is, whether it's time or achievement or whatever. So what's the biggest hurdle you've ever overcome? Um, I, for me, I really, I struggled with, a low ferritin, low iron for a long time and had to, um, that was probably the the biggest physical thing. It took me a while to get that figured out. Um, and that contributed to some other injuries. And luckily I, I, so, um, I think it was maybe 2015 or 2016. I can't remember now. I just started feeling really, really, really crummy and didn't really know much about iron or ferritin. And I got my levels checked and my ferritin was at an eight, which is incredibly low and awful. Um, and I realized that I had a bunch of food allergies that was affecting how I was absorbing nutrients and, and minerals and, and all these things. And so kind of once I got that all figured out, I became a much stronger and better person. So that, that was really a tough time because iron levels don't (laughs) come back very quickly. And for me, it was almost a eight month long process because I started to supplement. And even though I was supplementing, it wasn't absorbing because I couldn't have, you know, didn't understand why because of these food allergies. So that was a really like frustrating time for me when, you know, 
you go from running, say, a seven-minute mile pretty comfortably, and then a couple weeks later, you're running a nine-minute mile, and you can't breathe, and you don't know what's happening, you don't know what's going on, and um, so that was that was really tough. But I think from a mental perspective, um, it's I uh, let's see how do I say this I I feel like I've never run a race where I was as mentally tough as I could be and it's one of my biggest regrets and it's something that still sticks with me and I get frustrated about when I think about it too much because kind of what I was saying before I know that I'm capable of of running faster times that I've run I've run faster times in training runs and and what have you and then why do I let doubts sleep it slip in you know at mile 18 or mile 20 of a marathon why do I not just push the throttle a little bit more and it's learning my own where I'm weak and where I need to improve my mental toughness and and that's why I love that book so much because it's it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight and it's there's ups and downs and you feel great one day and then you lose confidence and so it's kind of this ever changing ever growing thing that I need no I need to work on and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. So at mile 18, mile 19, what about your race needs to be toughened up? Like I know in that in that book they offer a number of different anecdotes like right he talks about how for him it was just almost like the intimidation of it uh, when he was a sophomore in high school up in new mm-hmm. hampshire then you have you know like the swimmers who are the same way mark allen was this way as a swimmer uh during his uh pre-triathlon days and you have other people who you know it's just a matter of like being able to go to the well and fight through pain and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of other things as well for you at that moment what is what is the hurdle exactly Oh, that's, that's interesting. So in my mind, and, and, you know, we all, everyone, whether they have mantras or talk to themselves or whatever, I always set out with a very clear goal of what I want the race to, what my time is, how I want to execute the race and what I want to happen. And, and when I'm feeling weak, I, (laughs) I kind of, I, and I hate, I hate even saying this, I hate admitting it, but it's the truth. I, I'll change my goal in the middle of a race. So you know, it happened, it's happened on, on my best days. It happened at mountain speech when I set a PR and one, you know, I set out with a very clear goal of, I want to run 245. Nothing can stop me. I'm fit. I can do it. It's a great fast course. It's a weather's great. I slept well. And then, you know, at mile 18, when, you know, there's a couple rough miles and you fall off a little bit. And I say, you know, if I, if I ran 248, that's still a PR. So, that's, that's awesome. So I'm just going to run 248 and, and then, you know, things get tough around mile 28. And I, the, you know, the guy that I, I had done a lot of training with who ran with me took off and he ended up running great. He ran 247, I think, um, took off and I fall off and it's like, well, okay, I'm still first female. So if I run around 250 and I, and I win, I mean, that's pretty awesome. So I'll just do that. And you know, it's that like acceptance of something that's not what you set out to do and allowing and then telling yourself like, oh, this is okay. It's not what you wanted. It's not what you really, really, really want and you're capable of, but it's pretty darn good. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to allow myself to all of a sudden make us, you know, accept something that, that isn't great. You know, and I, 
and there's like a little bit of, well, the opposite is true that sure. I ran 250 and I won and that's amazing. So I want to be proud of that. And it's something that, you know, is that I'll be proud of forever, but it's, it's that like mind shift during the, during the race when it gets hard to say, Hey, no, I'm not accepting anything less than I came here to do. So that's what I want to work on. Right. And it goes both ways too. Right. I mean, there's certainly people who will, who will do a race, um, especially if it's like a, like a shorter distance race leading into a longer distance event. So say someone's running their goal races, a half marathon, they run a couple five K's in training. They might not be tapered for the race. They might not be a goal race and they might go out for, you know, say they run uh, 21 minutes, right. But they're mm-hmm. trying to break 130 for a half marathon. So you say, all right, well, if you're trying to do that for a half marathon, you need to run faster for a 5k, but they might not be tapered and they might be a bunch of other things might be going on. And you have people who would, who would look at that and say, all right, I'm mentally strong enough to know that like I gave an A plus effort today, race time be damned. And I think that like it goes both ways with mental toughness, right? You can have this great achievement like you had, but know that there was more in the well. And some people who go to the totally. bottom of the well, who might not have a great time, but hey, it's Boston 2018. No one had a great time, right? It doesn't right. mean that you didn't, <laughs> you know, go right to the bottom right, right to the bottom of all the energy stores and mental toughness you had. And this is, is, is yeah, I feel like you're telling my autobiography with what you're talking about. This mental hurdles, Cause I feel the exact same way. I've never gone. I've never put it all out there and I've regretted right. every single race I've ever done in my life because of it. Yep. So how do you fix it? Well, that's a good question. And, and I totally agree that there's the opposite, you know, totally hundred percent. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because how do you fix it? Do you go, you know, nobody wants to go run every race where they, they go out too hard, blow up and DNF and, and say, well, I left it all out there. You know, I didn't finish like that. That's not, that's not fun. And nobody wants to do that. So like, that's not the strategy. And it's, it's, I found that there is no, there's no fix. There's no, one thing that you learn, one thing, one book that you read, one mantra that you write on your mirror. There's not one thing. It's, it's every day. And for me, at least the way that I get mentally tougher is every single workout day in, day out. Because I think we all have workouts where we essentially cheat. And what I mean is like, okay, I have on my schedule a four mile tempo and you're out running. You say, well, there's a headwind. So I should really turn around and do my four mile tempo the other way. And it's kind of downhill. So like, that's helpful too. And you know, you didn't really need to do the four mile tempo downhill with a tailwind because that's not really helping you. Sure. You were faster than your goal paces, but it's kind of cheating. Um, or, you know, you have a, have a four mile tempo and you stop two miles in, you get water, you stretch and you finish it. Okay. You, you kind of did it and don't get me wrong. It's a great workout, but it's kind of cheating. And so it's those little things that like, I, I don't want to let myself do that. I don't want to allow myself to cheat a workout, to stop early, to do things the easy way, because that's just building this mentality of, Hey, it's okay. Hey, I need to do it this way. It's okay that I didn't push through. So it's kind of, it's the everyday. It's the saying, you know, this really sucks. There's a huge headwind, um, but this is what I'm supposed to do and I have to do it. So I'm going to do it. And if I'm a couple minutes off of goal pace, well, that's that. 
you know, but I got stronger. Um, and saying, you know, when you are doing mile repeats and you say, well, I could just not do that last one. No, it's, it's painful. It's hard. But if I do the last one, even if I'm off a little bit, I'm much better off than if I had quit. Um, so for me, it's like, it's the daily accountability on myself of saying, Hey, you want to be your best self. That's on a day to day. It's something that you have to practice. Um, you know, you can't just like everything else with, with running and training and any kind of sports, you can't expect race day or game day to be your best if you haven't practiced well. And that goes for mental toughness. You have to practice it to be able to achieve it. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I try to be strict on myself in those ways. So, so that I'm growing every day of saying, Hey, I'm tougher. And, you know, maybe I didn't hit my goal paces, but I forced myself to, you know, be tougher than I was yesterday. I love that. And we've all been there on mile repeat day. You've all been there <laughs> before the last one. We're like, ah, decisions, decisions. Right. Um, so, all right. Before we get to the last couple of questions, um, I have another question from a listener. Um, is a little bit, um, I'm going to tell you a hard left turn here from a topic standpoint, but okay. what would you advise others who have a strong entrepreneurial interest? Huh. I would, um, I would say follow your dreams for sure and do a lot of research into whatever that interest is. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, I was, am so lucky that Monica is my, my partner and the founder, co-founder with me. And, but for Monica, there would, there would be no rabbit because I, I didn't do enough research beforehand or, you know, or, I, I mean, I guess not that I didn't, but I didn't know what I was getting into. And if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't done it with her, it wouldn't have been able to happen. And so by doing the research and, and saying, hey, I have this great idea, but what does it really mean? And talk to other people who have similar ideas or have done similar things. I've had several really awesome creative calls with um, other people who are in the running space and also just in totally other spaces of Hey, and that's one thing that Monica and I did at the very beginning. We had all these meetings with people that we knew that had started their own companies that had created something, whether it was, you know, um, a good friend who has this really cool thing called lighter bro, um, to someone who started their own company making, um, like the certain weightlifting, um, components that go with weights. Um, and so it's, it was businesses that had nothing to do with, apparel um but like hey how did you get started who'd you talk to um how did you create the ideas for the website just kind of basic concepts that carry over and learn about their process and learn about their struggles and um you know that's been really helpful so i think doing research and talking to other people who've done things whether even if it's totally dissimilar from your idea just to help you understand and get an under and um, you know know some of the pitfalls to look out for and um, that was really, really helpful for us. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I really love that last answer too. Cause you know, it's something <laughs> that I've had to, I've had to work through on the podcast. Um, not all the same things, certainly, but some of the same things. So I really do appreciate that answer. It really is a good one. Um, yeah. so before we get going, I got the quick set of questions I do at the end of every podcast. So first of all, when you're out for a run headphones or no headphones, uh, no headphones. I, I will say I, so before I got pregnant, never, never headphones, never, never, never. 
Um, but when I was pregnant, I, um, started to get frustrated with how slow I had to go and which is so very incredibly stupid. I eventually very much let go of my ego, but at the beginning for sure it was hard for me. And so I actually started listening to some music and some podcasts so I could not worry about my watch and just kind of be in the moment. And then I started listening to pregnancy and baby podcasts and all that thing. So now I would say I maybe headphones once every 10 days. The only exception is if I'm on the treadmill, but I have to have music because I'm, I'm not a treadmill fan. So I have to do something to get me through it. <laughs> I'm right with you there. I, I swear yeah. to God, for me, it's like a nine minute mile on the road feels like a seven minute mile on a treadmill. I can't oh, even come goodness. close to approximating the, the time. Right. <laughs> totally. All right. So what advice do you give others to you that you have trouble following? Oh, uh, one is very, very easy. And it's um, focus a lot on easy running days, on recovery running days. And they're so, so vital. And it's really easy to be greedy and want to run longer and faster every day. But that's really how you get yourself hurt and burnt out. And I need to do better. I could always run easier on my easy days. And it really makes you a better athlete, a better runner. And it's something that I'm continue to try to be better at. And I'm the first one to say, are you running easy enough on your easy days? So that's something I, I need to work on. <laughs> yeah. It's like eating your vegetables, right? We all know, right. It, but do you do it? Um, exactly. I should say it to you. You make epic salad. Do you eat your vegetables? Oh, so maybe man. you need to. <laughs> I'm the salad queen. There you go. All right. If you could want, run, if you could run one more race for the rest of your life, but only run it. I'm sorry. If you could only run one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? Oh, that is such a good question. Okay. Well, I have, am I allowed to have two answers? Okay. I'm going to. All right. <laughs> one, one is the dog mile. There's a dog mile here in town and it's so fun. It's so, it's my favorite race. I run it every year, whether my dogs are getting old now, so they don't get to do it. But the joy on, on, there's like, you know, there's maybe 70 people with their 70 dogs on the start line. It's it's called the State Street Mile in Santa Barbara. And they don't use a gun. They use a little like whistle because they don't want to scare the dogs. And all the dogs start running and this dog's peeing, this dog's barking, this one ran off its leash and it's like this chaos and it's so much fun. So I it would probably be that, not because it's a personally challenging thing or, or my favorite race, just because I, I mean, I'm an animal lover and it's so, so fun to see these dogs and they love running with their owners and they're so happy and it just brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, that is a good one. All right, you can use two. That's so, that's so okay. good. You can definitely use two. Then if I, then if I was going to, my, one of my favorite marathons is mountains to beach. Um, it's a great course. It's in my own backyard. The race director is awesome. And I get to sleep in my own bed. So if I were to run one marathon every year, not that it's the best course or the most spectators, but it's really fun. And it's really nice to be able to sleep in your own bed and eat dinner at your house the night before. So I would like, that would be my marathon. I would do every year if I just had, had one race. I love it. All right. So yep. what's the, what's the bucket list race? It's not that exciting, um, but I really, really want to run Chicago. I haven't run Chicago, and everyone says it's just the best marathon in terms of the the organization, the spectators, the way it's styled, the way they treat the athletes. And um, I've 
registered to run maybe three years and whether it's been injury or or life happening I have never run it and so I just really want to run it <laughs> you I would think that the next one's on the house if you if you've like wasted three <laughs> different registrations right I know I mean you I, you, you you run an apparel company they can't you can't pull a couple strings <laughs> I am it's more that I just have to get myself fit and, and have it fit into a thing and then I need to go and enjoy it because people talk so highly about it and I I just I got to do it so true so true yep. all right last one who is your dream running partner? Oh, Jet. <laughs> I cannot wait till he can run. Jet's my baby. Um, I mean, as silly as that sounds, it's really true. I mean, I'm so, so just like so excited for him and for watching him grow up and for being able to share things. Not that he's going to be a runner or want to go run miles with me, but just just that joy of being able to show him these things that I love doing and to be able to share them with him. Um, so, and I really, really love running with my husband. Like I, I mean, I have, a, I'm really lucky in that he, he loves running. He loves running with me. He lo- he really likes trails, which is nice. Cause it's just, um, it's good for me. And we do these beautiful trails. He proposed to me on our favorite trail here in Santa Barbara. So, um, you know, kind of as, as cliche or whatever it's my family it's the people that I love um and I love to spend time with and couldn't have it any better you said it all right there thank you so much (laughs) Jill I really appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much Matt I really appreciate you having me it's been awesome all right talk to you later all right have a good day Jill, thanks again for coming on the show. This was such a pleasure to have you. I just really loved this conversation. Uh, I would have gone a little bit longer, frankly, if we both weren't tied up with kids today, but uh, it's the way it goes sometimes. And uh, you know, I think if you're listening to this show, you probably have experienced or will experience certainly uh, those types of time constraints in your future. So uh, thanks again, Jill, for coming on the show. You may have heard me reference um, listener questions Uh, During the show, I post every guest on my Patreon page. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Rambling Runner. I post all the guest announcements on that page. So if you want to sponsor the show or support the show, uh, you know, it's something that I love doing. But obviously, this thing is, uh, this is free. You know, you get to listen to the show for free, and that's the way I like it. But if you do want to support the show, one of the benefits is you get to see who the guests are going to be in advance. And you can you know, suggest questions or topics. And there's a variety of other things you can get online as well at patreon.com, including some of the, uh, I shouldn't say some, all of my conversations with my coach, James McCurdy, I post on there as well. So um, a variety of other things. I'm actually sending out the new Rambling Runner t-shirts tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, the Rambling Runner t-shirts will be going out in the mail to all my Patreon subscribers. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it and happy running.